Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. Back in after a couple week hiatus to another episode of the Hard Foul. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler, and with me, as always, to talk a little bit of breaking South Carolina basketball news and to do our first episode of the Food Diary, the long talked about, much anticipated side project slash little spinoff thing of the Hard Foul is Colin Taylor. Colin, it's been a couple weeks since we've talked, at least on this podcast, had you on our local show on 107.5 The Game yesterday, but how are things going for you in now what I think is week seven of quarantine? Things are blurring together very quickly. Um, Every day feels the same, but we still have news, Um, still doing some work, gotten some special projects kind of working on and uh, trying to fill time as best we can. Yeah, well, y'all are doing an admirable job over at Gamecock Central. Plenty of things still going on. Again, it's it's remarkable to me, and it's been kind of nice, especially for the work that you and I do, that it, it the news cycle hasn't really slowed down. It's just changed. It's very different than we're used to for this time of year, but it has not really slowed, and that's part of the reason that we're on this podcast today is we have two big pieces of news from South Carolina basketball from just the last week or so. Um I guess before we jump into that news, you have had a couple cool things that you've run on the site. Uh, The last time we did a podcast together, you were about to go interview Mike Kotsar for a piece that you wrote. I guess that was two weeks ago. I think that was about two weeks ago. Uh, Plug some of the things that you've done in the last couple weeks. Yeah, so we had the interview with Mike uh, Kotsar. Um, A really, really good. He kind of goes in depth on um, his career, get through the injury, doing a bunch of different things like that. We've had some baseball recruiting stuff that we've done as well. Um, Obviously, full coverage of Devin Carter's commitment, which we'll talk about. Um, Some stuff on some some other basketball recruits that they're targeting. Um, Just a bunch of different things that, you know, we feel are interesting and worth reading. And um, hopefully a lot of other people feel the same way. Well, I can vouch for it. All interesting, all worth reading, all great content. Um, Again, it's not like like pressing, it's not stretching because there are a lot of things that are worth talking about, and y'all have done a great job of covering it. So uh, check it all out on GamecockCentral.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Colin Taylor. I feel like I'm wrapping up. All right, see you, Colin. No, just kidding. Yeah, um, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, this is great. Good podcast. Um, no, I just, I just feel like we've missed a lot, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about um, a couple of those things. And, again, check them out on the site. Um, you know, you can search for them, scroll back for them a little bit, because there's still plenty of content. So if it's if it's not new, you got to got to go back a little bit, but all worth going back and finding, um, especially the mic piece, just – you and I talked so much throughout the course of the season about how much fun he has been to watch um, for you to cover, you know, certainly more closely than I have, but even for me, just to, just to watch from a distance the, the development of a guy through four years and then to, to kind of hear all that put into his perspective and to hear his thoughts on it. It was um, really interesting. And, of course, like such a peculiar ending to his time at South Carolina. So you all definitely go uh, check that out and everything else that you've missed from Colin over the last couple of weeks. And hopefully you all have been keeping up. Um, for those of you that uh, also missed it, the I guess the probably the – 
maybe the biggest news since the basketball season was canceled and it's been a little bit back and forth, a little bit touch and go for a while, especially at the end of the basketball season. It seemed like it was a foregone conclusion that A.J. Lawson was going to be playing basketball somewhere other than South Carolina, whether the NBA or the G League or Europe. It seemed like that was going to happen. And then as the strange offseason progressed, it was like, well, wait a second, maybe it kind of sounds like A.J. might be thinking about coming back to South Carolina. Not a lot of opportunities to showcase his his talent and his physicality and all those things in a pre-draft setting because everything shut down. So maybe he'll come back to South Carolina. And then we get the official news. Uh, it was earlier this week or late last week. We're recording this Tuesday morning. I don't remember. I guess this was maybe over the weekend even that A.J. Lawson has decided to test the NBA waters, although he is not signing an agent, and he has until a date that you're going to tell us in just a minute to withdraw his name from consideration. But at this point, he still has eligibility. And, Colin, from what you told me yesterday, this is not necessarily cause for concern if South Carolina fans were hoping that A.J. Lawson would come back. Yeah, I mean, the way the NBA is structured, it would be stupid for guys not to really test the water. Um you have the ability to come back if you want. You can um, have meetings, workouts, and regular years workouts with NBA teams, get feedback, and, and that's what A.J. Lawson's doing. Um, right now, obviously, it's it's fresh. I would anticipate A.J. Lawson being back. Um, that could obviously change over the next couple of weeks as he gets deeper into meetings with teams. But um, there are only 60 spots. Um, I think this is – AJ is trying to get some more information on the draft. Um, I think this is just a situation where he has NBA aspirations and wants to get as much feedback, as much information as possible to help make his decision, um, whether that's this year or next year or two years from now in terms of what he wants to do in his pro career. Now, there has been some talk. As of right now, the NBA draft is still in like a month or something, into May maybe, but there has been some talk apparently internally within the league about moving the draft to August, presumably so that there would be a more of an opportunity to get guys in for private workouts and for some maybe modified version of a draft combine or, or something that would, I guess, be within the regulations of social distancing and everything that we're trying to you know, respect and honor right now. If the draft is pushed back to August and if the AJ does have a chance to go work out for teams individually, do you get the sense that he would be more interested in keeping his name in the draft just to play it out because he has, you know, because all he wants to do, it sounds like, is play in the NBA. And I think he said that a couple weeks ago. It's not necessarily playing professional basketball. It's playing in the NBA. Do you get the sense that he would be willing to take a chance if they move the draft back to August? Or does it still seem like he's coming back to South Carolina no matter what? I mean, right now I'd say he's he's coming back. I mean, we're, we're doing this and we're talking about it, you know, without him really having a chance to talk to NBA scouts, talk to GMs and that obviously will impact his decision, what they tell him. Um, I think it's still kind of a wait and see what the NBA does. There's so many questions that need answering. Um, whatever the NBA does, um, it's going to be interesting. And right now, the, the deadline is June 3rd to pull your name out of the draft. Um, so we'll see how that gets impacted, if it gets moved, if the draft gets moved, uh, if the combine gets moved. Um, but right now, it's still, I think, a little too early to talk about, you know, what he does if it gets moved because what is what he'll get told by NBA scouts is going to be probably the key indicator in how he does and what he does instead of with the dates that, that kind of fall on it. All right, well, let's speculate on that a little bit because I, I think whatever A.J. hears from NBA scouts is, is also going to be pertinent to 
you know, his future, obviously, because if they say, hey, we think you're ready to go and someone's going to take you as a project, then he's probably going to go. But in terms of what he needs to improve on, if he works on those things, that's probably also going to be beneficial to South Carolina should he come back. So uh, have you gotten any indication? I don't know if you've talked to AJ or his family or anybody around the team or, you know, Frank Martin or anything, or, or even you can just speculate based on watching him for the last couple of years. What are the notes you think he's going to get from scouts in terms of what he needs to improve most to put himself in a position to get drafted either this year or next? I mean, it's a shooting. Um, he's not a terrible shooter, but the fact that he his numbers took a dip, the fact that his turnovers went up this year, um, impact and consistency. I mean, he'll have games. I mean, we saw this year where, you know, he'd go off for 20, 15, 20 points, and then, you know, on, on 60% shooting or 50% shooting, and then the next day shoot you know, 30% from the field and score eight points. So consistency is about as big as you can get for A.J. Lawson. Um, he needs to be more consistent. He needs to shoot the ball better. Uh, he needs to continue to develop his body. Um, still needs to put on some weight probably. Um, 6'6", 178 right now. Um, he can obviously get better as the frame to do it. Um, it's, it's, it's really consistency. I think that that's his big thing that he needs to show. And this is me speculating. He needs to show scouts and, and GMs and whatever else that he can night in and night out in the SEC be a guy that can average, you know, 15, 16 points a game and, and shoot 45% from the field and then 35% from three. Um, if he can do that, then he's absolutely an NBA player. I 100% agree that he has the potential to be that kind of guy. He's really 178 pounds. That's what basketball reference was. Oh gosh. He's nine inches taller than me, and we weigh the exact same. I mean, he looks hilariously skinny out there, like a little lemming running around with his, you know, like the way his hair bounces on his head and the fact that he's so skinny. But I didn't realize he was actually that skinny. That's uh, uh, that's pretty incredible. But he does have a long frame, and, and you feel like he, he can pretty easily – well, I don't want to say easily because – as much as I envy people that are like, oh, I really need to gain weight. I, I know it's really hard for some people, so I don't want to say he can easily do that. But his frame can definitely, his frame can definitely take it. And you see the flashes of uh, he's such a good transition player. He's so fast. He's twitchy. If he adds, you know, 15 pounds of muscle, he's already, you know, a, a pretty decent finisher at times. Again, it's it's sort of a consistency issue. There there are times when he looks like a really good finisher. And uh, I guess one thing, and just as a quick aside, talking about his finishing, that that is pretty. Uh, it's always impressed me about AJ is he has surprising explosiveness. Like there are times when he'll take off and it looks like he's probably just going to, you know, lay it up, maybe a reverse layup, something like that. And then all of a sudden he's slam dunking. And I didn't expect that he was jumping that high or planning to finish that ferociously. Uh, but I, I think that's part of what makes him so good is that, is that sneaky, just kind of like quick explosiveness. He can really take off with very, very little room. He doesn't need a whole runway. He can just whoop, boom. And then it's flushed. Um, but if he adds 15, 20 pounds to his frame, I mean, he's going to be uh, certainly in the SEC, someone really to contend with, and, and probably put himself in a position to. I, I mean, he has he doesn't have an NBA body yet, but he has the frame for it. Yeah, and and he has all the spot, you know, every tool at his disposal in terms of um, a way, you know, college weight room. Um, if he goes pro, professional weight room, put that stuff on. Um, it's amazing. I mean, he is an NBA talent. Uh, do not get me wrong. He needs to be more consistent, and he's an explosive athlete that is, I mean, you saw it his freshman year and you saw flashes of it this year to where he can get to the rim and he can, you know, him in transition with Keisha, I mean, with, with other athletes is insane. Um, 
listening now. It's about kind of putting it all together. And I think that he has the potential to do it. And he, we're going to learn over the next few weeks if NBA scouts and NBA personnel think he has the potential to do it this year or next year. Just based on his production, um, again, I think we all kind of agree that it probably doesn't make sense for him to go. The timing of the draft is, is certainly interesting. And the fact that this is one of the weaker top-to-bottom NBA drafts that we've had in a while, it maybe makes it a little bit, I guess, maybe a little nervier for Gamecock fans. But uh, from everything you've told me, from everything else that I've heard, it sounds like nothing to worry about. And, and just like the right thing to do. I mean, he did this last year and obviously didn't go. Chris Silva did it right before his senior year. And I guess maybe a mixed bag in that respect because Chris Silva got even a lot better from his junior year to his senior year. A.J. Lawson took a little bit of a dip from his freshman year to his sophomore year. Do you feel like there's any negative impact to doing this? Like, does this say to his teammates or Frank Martin or, you know, Chuck or Bruce or anybody else that maybe he's not focused enough on South Carolina because he wants so badly to get to the NBA? Like, do you know, does that rub guys on the team the wrong way or do they just see it as he wants to get better. These are his aspirations. If he gets better, then he's going to be better for the team. I think it's that one. I mean, if it were me and I was his teammate, I'd be like, listen, you know, if I want to go play in the NBA too if I was a basketball player. So, um, and I'd be willing to take any step possible to, to do that. Um, I, I think that it's going to help South Carolina if he ultimately does come back um, because now he's got kind of in his head what needs to work on. And he realizes that if he doesn't, um, then he's not going to help the team, which in turn will not help his draft stop. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's, I, I think it's the latter there that if I was his teammate, oh yeah, like, you know, go pro, you know, don't, you know, declare, go through the process and then come back and, and then be really, really ready to help us win in what could be a, a pretty damn good team next year for South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've talked about it a lot and we'll have plenty more time this off season to break that down. And in fact, right now on Gamecock Central, just published about half an hour ago, uh, where the national experts rank Gamecocks this offseason. I'm guessing that's contingent on A.J. Lawson coming back. Maybe their best player, second best player, certainly one of their most important players. That's probably uh, factoring into the conversation, but if you want a little bit more on that, uh, check out Colin's piece on GamecockCentral.com right now, and a little bit more, of course, on uh, analyzing A.J. Lawson's NBA decision, and plenty more Gamecock basketball stuff on GamecockCentral.com, including... And you'll have to go back a little bit for this because this was last week, but we haven't done a podcast since then. So I want to transition now into a little Gamecock basketball recruiting, which continues to be pretty strong for South Carolina, getting a commitment from Devin Carter, a three-star guy, with what sounds like an unbelievable amount of upside. Now, some of you listening have already listened to Colin's piece, done your research, maybe heard Colin on the halftime show with Jay and myself on 107.5 The Game yesterday. But just real quick for everyone that hasn't heard yet, Colin, uh, give us just a a quick breakdown of what kind of prospect Devin Carter is. Yeah, he's a shooter. Um, Shot 50% from the field, close to 40% from three last season. Um, averaged close to 30 points. I think it was like 28 point something. Um, can really score. Is really athletic. Um, still not done growing. He tell you know he thinks. Um, I mean, this is the real D's. You know, physical and athletic and bouncy and long and kind of everything Frank looks for in, in that typical two guard. Very similar body wise to Jermaine Cousinard, uh, maybe a little bit longer. Um, just as quick, just as you know, capable of scoring and. Um, needs to obviously get bigger, but uh, um, this is a guy that they kind of look for in the recruiting process. That when you think about long, physical, athletic guards, um, this he Devin certainly fits you know fits the bill on that one. So versatility, physicality, defense, toughness—you know—a certain grinded out mentality, uh, the ability to handle being yelled at constantly on the yeah. sideline. These are all kind of hallmarks of a Frank Martin player. But we have seen 
I don't I don't even want to necessarily say like his coaching philosophy evolved because it's still rooted in defense. But at South Carolina in the last couple of years, he has had more of an ability to I guess expand what he does, really on both ends of the court. That's a lot different than the early part of his South Carolina tenure and his Kansas State days, where he is willing to play with a little more more pace and he maybe. I don't want to say value shooters a little bit more, but he's willing to move away from two bigs, which he did for his entire career. And he, we see him, I mean, mostly play in the last couple of years with just one big and, you know, a lot of pick and roll and a lot of transition and things like that. So the the shift from, you know, hard-nosed, gritty defense guys to shooters, is there anyone in the last couple of years, you mentioned Jermaine Kusnar just in terms of body, but as a player, uh, in terms of skill set, or, or even, you know, I don't know if you can even go back to, you know, when X player was in high school, any kind of recent player comps from South Carolina for Devin Carter? I mean, I, th- I think Jermaine Cousinard is probably your best, you know, bet there in terms of what they were in high school. Okay. Um, so he's that physical. Yeah. I mean, physical. Uh, um, and, and you, you talk about it in terms of, you know, kind of fits the bill too, where it's like, he's going to prep school for a year and doing the same thing Jermaine did with that. And, and taking a post-grad season and coming in and getting stronger and, and has the ability to score and, same physical attributes. Um, Carter could be a little bit bigger. Um, if, you know, once he gets to school, um, he's 6'4", now it could be 6'6". But, um, you know, that's a guy that, you know, I compare him with Jermaine Cousard a little bit right now, and he could develop into something maybe even a little bit better um, once he arrives on campus after this post-grad year. So he's from Miami. Frank Martin obviously has a lot of connections down there. I'm sure that was no small part of, uh, maybe, if not the decision, at least South Carolina getting on the radar for Devin Carter. Now he's a guy that maybe doesn't have the kind of offer list that you that you would expect given his skill set and given the upside. I mentioned he's only a three star guy, so maybe if you're you know Duke and Kansas and North Carolina, you just like if you're not four stars, we're not even going to consider you. I don't know. I don't know that much about basketball recruiting, but. Everything that I've read that you've put out there says that the upside of this guy might have some of the the like cream of the crop top tier perennial contenders in college basketball kicking themselves for not giving this guy a harder look. Yeah, and I think that that's something that's I mean, it, bewildering is not the word because um, it happened so late in the process because they were classified from you know twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one. But you know, I asked this high school coach, you know right kind of before he committed, right around the time he was committing, I think this was Thursday and he committed on Friday, we were talking and said, why wasn't this guy recruited all that hard? And, I mean, he really didn't have a great answer. And, I mean, there are some schools on there that, you know, the Cal, the Cal um, I know Notre Dame sniffed around for a little bit. Um, I think Colorado offered. Uh, these are some, not blue bloods, but solid power five programs that wanted his attention. And I was shocked that just based on upside alone, um, no more schools didn't get involved. And I think that had something to do probably with the shoulder injury, um, had a little, you know, procedure done on his shoulder. Um, and that probably scared some teams off, but the, you know, South Carolina is getting a good one, which is, I mean, they're getting a really, really, really good player that had some, some interest from a lot of good schools. And I, I think now we've seen it with the last couple of classes and, you know, starting with A.J. Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant and then all the, I mean, the really strong freshman class of last year and a smaller freshman class, just two guys coming in this year. But guys, I think with a lot of upside that people are really excited about, especially as Carolina looks to replace Mike Cozart's incredible production, uh, you know, especially on the defensive end of the floor. But is this a continuation of, I mean, we're so far removed from the final four years that fans are kind of grumpy that Carolina hasn't made it back. 
But there was always there's always the latency, you know. It, it, it was the year after the Final Four, and it's like, wow, you know, Frank Martin hasn't done anything with this momentum. It's like it takes a little bit of time to build on that, and then he brings in AJ Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant, who are the you know the cornerstones of the next couple years of the South Carolina team, and those are the kind of recruiting wins that kind of snowball into other recruiting wins, you know, like a Devin Carter, like, you know, Wilden Zavek and, and those kinds of guys that Carolina has been able to bring in in subsequent years. So, I, I mean, is this is this a sign that that Final Four run was significant and that those recruiting wins kind of stack on top of each other? Or is this something that happens in a vacuum? And even if Carolina had lost in the first round in 2017, like all these other pieces would have still fallen into place. I mean, I think, the, I mean, it, the Final Four definitely helped, and I think you're wrong. Um, I think it helps you get in the door with certain guys a little bit more. The brand is a little bit more well-known. Um, that's, I mean, that, that helps. And, and I've talked with, you know, staff members and about, about the recruiting process after the Final Four, and they've kind of talked about it's less about selling the Final Four run, which they do, do not get me wrong, but um, it, it's more about selling, you know, everything that South Carolina has accomplished in the last, you know, 20 years of basketball. Um, you know, 15 years of basketball has been done by Frank Martin. They've had to build this thing essentially from the ground up after the horror days. And the guy on, you know, in charge of that is still there. Um, that's how they build it. Um, it certainly helps get in the door with a lot of prospects. I mean, I know they, they recruited Earl Timberlake hard. Uh, I know they recruit, you know, they've, they've been in their fair share of battles for, you know, top 150 kids. And that's in no small part to the fact that, you know, they have a little bit more name and a little more pull in the world right now uh, because they've recently come off a of final four and they've sustained some sort of success in the SEC. Um, that helps their case a lot. You kind of went through the stats towards the end of last season in terms of Carolina's finishes in the SEC, how many SEC games they've won in the last five years you know, consecutive non-losing seasons and things like that that, you know, maybe South Carolina fans take for granted because it doesn't feel spectacular because they just want to be in the Final Four again. But these are, you know, part of the, you know, the reality of an improving program, you know, for a program that with a with a couple exceptions, you know, I mean, I guess the, the 60s and, uh, I don't know, 60s and 70s or 60s whenever Carolina was really good, I guess 60s and 70s, and then a nice little run there in the 90s. But other than that, it's been a lot of mediocrity for South Carolina. So these are the sort of incremental steps that signal program stability, continued growth, continued improvement. And I, I think, again, maybe I'm maybe I'm dialing too much back into this, but I, I don't think you can overstate the significance of the Final Four run because without that, again, you probably don't get A.J. Lawson and Keyshawn Bryant. And without those guys, you don't get the subsequent guys because you're not as good, you're not as competitive in the SEC. Now it needs to keep happening. You know, at some point that's going to fade. Um, and, and and like these last couple classes are kind of what you have to have to capitalize on it. But when you're getting guys like Devin Carter, like to me that says that you're still headed in the right direction. And then that that sheen, whether it's from the run or whether it's just from the continued ability to be competitive in the SEC in the in the subsequent years, that that's still alive. And then that's still, I guess, an intriguing enough prospect that it's enticing younger players. Yeah, and I think that. South Carolina is never going to blow people away with their recruiting rankings. That's just never going to happen. But what they will get are guys that fit Frank Martin's system, which is a system that needs to have guys that fit it to be good. Um, and I think that that's what you're seeing. AJ Lawson fits the system. Keyshawn Bryant fits the system. Patrick Erie on Javon Benson. 
Trey Hannibal, Williams of Act, Taylor McCurry. I mean, all of these guys that have stuck with the program have fit. I mean, physically speaking, um, just athletic skill set speaking, and I think Devin Carter fits into that frame as well. Um, you know, Trey Hannibal, if Frank Martin's building a point guard in a laboratory, it's going to come out looking a lot like Trey Hannibal. And I think that if you're building, a, you know, a shooting guard in a lab for Frank Martin, it's going to come out looking a lot like Dwayne Otis, Jermaine Cousinard, and um, Devin Carter. Last thing on Devin Carter, because, again, we talked about some of the characteristics that Frank Martin's looking for and its toughness and his physicality. And obviously now that he's, uh, I guess, leaning into and embracing a little bit more a team that's going to play with space and a team that, you know, at time can pop and make 14 threes in a game or 16 or however many it was against, was that Texas A&M or Missouri, whatever game Carolina just absolutely rained all hell down from three-point land, you know, leaning into that a little bit more. But there also seems to be another characteristic, especially in recent signing classes for Frank Martin, and that is spectacular or horrible, but at least noteworthy hairdos with Alonzo Frank. We saw Jalen McCreary in the early part of the season with a really interesting hairdo. Now he obviously lopped off some of those locks and and maybe led directly to his uptick in minutes and improvement in play and all those things. Um, Devin Carter, and look, I'll throw AJ Lawson in there too because he's got a, a, an interesting hairdo. It's not crazy. It's not like the big uh, Frank Fro, which I miss, and I hope he brings back, or the little dread. I guess maybe a little bit closer to the, to the little dreads that he did. But anyway, interesting hairdo seems to be a hallmark for this team, and Devin Carter fits that bill spectacularly. Um, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk with Devin Carter, but what do you know about his like frizzy, like hanging afro thing that he's got going on? You know, I talked to him for a little bit uh, before he committed. Uh, did not the hair weirdly enough did not come up, mm. given the fact that I am really into asking stupid questions that did not come up um next time i talk to him i'll have to get his take on his hair and if he's going to plan on cutting it anytime soon <laughs> that's not a stupid question these are the important things no, this is this is what the people need to know stupid question probably not the right word weird questions okay. i like to ask the weird questions and hairdo look hairdos can be important in basketball we saw with Jalen mccreary all he needed to do was cut like the little blue tipped many dread things that he had in the early part of the season. And uh, you and I, for some reason, both really like Alfred Payton, a guy that played for the Magic, I think plays for the Knicks now. And we meant to do occasional Alfred Payton updates on the podcast, and then that kind of went by the wayside. But point is, we both really like Alfred Payton, and he had a really spectacular hairdo. It was sort of like the A.J. Lawson do, which I guess was kind of like the Jimmy Butler do, and we, and we see that a little bit more now. But Alfred Payton had like the basically like a like a hat. Like he, he turned his, his hair... And, and like visa visa vis those little I, again I don't know what you call them and I'm gonna sound like an idiot if someone's listening to this and like really knows you know how to call all of this stuff but anyway the little baby dreads and then turned it into like the bill of a hat and it was in front of his face and there were so many posts on Reddit like s- like snapshots of him attempting a layup or a jump shot or something where you can see his hair hanging like directly in front of his face and it's like no wonder this guy sucks at shooting his hair's literally in front of his face and he moved it out of his face and I don't know if it's necessarily made him a lot better but point is. Hair can have a big impact on your game. So when Devin Carter gets to Carolina, do you expect him to have the full flowing locks? It's kind of the it's kind of the Palomalu thing, but a little bit frizzier. Or do you think that, like so many guys, they'll come to Carolina and they'll change the do up with, with Frank losing the fro or with McCreary losing the dreads? I really hope he keeps it. I really, really hope he keeps it. I'm a big fan. Me too. Big fan of it. 
I just worry that someone's going to like pull it from behind. I'll never forget D'Angelo Williams for the Panthers always had long dreads hanging out of the back of his helmet, and at least two times that I can remember off the top of my head, him getting yanked down by a defender from behind by the dreads hanging out of his helmet, and that sounds just awful. Now, I, I know basketball is not a sport where you're getting tackled a lot, but that would be my concern with, with long hair that hangs down like that. Yeah, it's. It, I don't think it's as big of a deal in basketball as it is in football. I'll go on the record and say that. And I really like the fact that all these basketball players, even dating back to Hassani, grab it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The, the, the fun dudes, I respect it. I, I respect the Frank Martin you know, tradition of just getting in as many guys as possible with fun hair. Yeah. Well, but the, and then there's another interesting case, Hassani Gravit, you know, fun do for a while. <laughs> fun do. Um, but then his his senior year, uh, sixth man of the year in the SEC campaign, he it, shaved it. Yeah. Uh, I guess it wasn't all the way shaved, but, you know, much shorter than it was. Um, and, and that sort of unlocked his potential. So I guess Carolina just really likes recruiting Nazarites is what we've concluded. Their power <laughs> comes from their hair or, or vice versa. Or I don't know exactly how it works. But point is, Go look up Devin Carter. He's got a sweet hairdo, and hopefully that will be added to South Carolina in a, a year from now. I said that was the last thing on Devin Carter, but uh, real quick, uh, he is going to prep school for a year, and he's going to play with Dwayne Wade's kid. Is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. he's going to play with Dwayne Wade's kid. Um, going to Brewster Academy, which is the best prep school, arguably the best prep school in the country. Um, so he'll get a chance to um, – Play with Division One kids, oh, you know, year round, day in, day out, and uh, maybe win a prep national title and get his shoulder ready to go for when he gets to South Carolina. Awesome. Hopefully, he will learn a few things from from Dwayne Wade because I'm sure he'll be around coaching up his kid. That's uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, that, that's good company. You know, you probably have a good recruit when he's good enough to go play anywhere, even just like pick up basketball with the son of a future NBA Hall of Famer. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully, D Wade, you know. He was a two guard. Maybe can, stuff can rub off on him. Yeah, who knows? Never Fingers know. crossed. I mean, a, a whole year spent around uh, spent around the Wade family. It can't be bad for you. I'll say it like that. Uh, that's Devin Carter again. Three star commit to South Carolina. He's the class of 2021. So you have to wait a, a full year to see those locks in action. But uh, projects to be a good one for South Carolina. Before we get into our first episode of, I guess we're calling this the Food Diaries, unless you and Chris have a better name for it. Uh, name pending, but basically your your food travel log as you and Chris Gillespie of Gamecock Central travel a lot together and eat a lot together. And I have asked you a lot of questions about it. And I was like, well, why don't you just get on the podcast, the two of you? And we are going to get your first one or maybe your first couple of notable food stories. I don't know exactly how you've planned it out. But before we call Chris, I want to ask you, we talk a lot of college basketball. We talk almost exclusively college basketball on this podcast. But basketball, specifically professional basketball in the Michael Jordan documentary, has really been the talk of the town the biggest sporting event outside of the NFL draft since the quarantine started, and it's been basically what dominated most of the last two weeks. I know you've watched it. I'm guessing you're a Jordan fan. I think you're a LeBron truther. But more importantly, the last episode, the last two episodes, spent a lot of time talking about the Detroit Pistons. And as someone that comes from a family of Michiganders, I know you have a particular affinity for those bad boy Pistons. Yeah. Oh, they're – I love them. I – Words cannot like if we're gonna power rank things that I love, I would say like like number one barbecue, mm-hmm. like easy number one, number two probably the bad boy Pistons, and then we're getting into three my fiance and then my family after that. Okay, so, perfect. That, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I feel like my priorities <laughs> are, are pretty pretty you know set there. Yeah, no, um, I, hey, look, I mean, you have to eat to survive. Got to have food yeah. at the very top of the list. I respect that. 
Yeah, and then Pistons number two, and then the, and then we're getting into my you know fiance, the person I'm gonna spend the rest of my life with, kind of situation. Yeah, yeah that's great. As long as she understands that, and, and if she does understand that, then you've definitely found a keeper. Uh, is your family from Detroit? From um, I was outside of Detroit, but we grew up Pistons, Red Wings, um, Michigan football, basketball, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, as much Michigan as we could get, um, it's kind of what it's been like. And uh, look, the, the the Bad Boy Pistons history has been well documented. There's books and you know documentary, actual documentaries ma- written and made about the Pistons. I love them. Obviously, neither of us got a chance to actually watch them in person, but just going back and reading about them and watching them, they sound spectacular. I love everything about them, and they really leaned into the role of the heel. So there's no such thing as like painting them in a bad light because they kind of did it to themselves and they leaned into it, and that's part of what made them so great. But did you have uh, any issues or learn anything new about the Pistons with the way they were portrayed in the last answer, the way that Michael Jordan responded to them, or did that just, I, I guess, kind of reaffirm your love for them? Uh, I am incredibly biased, so I will never say anything bad about what the Detroit Pistons are. Good. And I, Isaiah Thomas could be like, yeah, listen, man, um, I am an angel sent from heaven and can sprout wings and fly and control water on command. And I'd be like, that makes sense. So there's nothing that Jordan or anybody can say that will sway my opinion. Isaiah Thomas, uh, most underrated NBA great of all time. Should should be gold medalist. Isaiah oh, Thomas. Gosh. Yeah, I think we're going to get into that a little bit more in the next couple episodes of The Last Dance. I, I In one of the previews, I saw him doing something dream teamy and uh I, I i'm like you look I, I don't even have family from michigan except for my aunt but my it's like my uncle married a woman from michigan so not like my family exactly i don't have any ties to michigan i don't have any ties to detroit i'm not a pistons fan now i just love the pistons so much and i love isaiah thomas so much that it hurts me personally what happened with the dream team yeah. uh, I, I will always hold that against michael jordan and that's why i, I that's part of why uh, lebron's Better than Jordan in my book because Jordan's the worst because he kept Isaiah Thomas off the Dream Team. But I guess that's a discussion for after we get to the Dream Team episode. But just wanted you to share your thoughts on the Pistons. And, uh, of course, since we're here, and you shared this story on 107.5 The Game yesterday. So if you were listening, sorry that this is redundant, but I, I feel like most of the rest of the listeners that didn't hear it will appreciate your run-in with one of the bad boy Pistons. Yeah, so I did get to meet Bill Lambier once. Uh, he's obviously the coach of the Las Vegas Aces, which is the WNBA team that had the number one overall pick. Here, Asia Wilson was a senior. So I was covering a game, uh, and Bill was there. Like, Bill, he, for as big and, and as bad as he was in the 80s, is the most unassuming, quiet human being on the planet. Hmm. I mean, I sat right behind him. Um, he was the front row of the media section. I was in the second. And the game ends, South Carolina beats, I think, Mississippi State or Texas A&M before it was, you know, you know the top, both of them were top five teams. Um, and I, we're walking out together uh, down the steps. And, you know, I, I stop him. I'm like, Bill, I just want to, you know, you know, introduce myself, tell him I'm a huge, you know, Pistons fan, love the Bad Boys teams. And you could tell he had no interest in talking to me about it. Um, but it was a cool moment for me. I was in this business – you meet, and this sounds super conceited, but you, you meet so many different people that are, you know, big celebrities, millionaires, whatever, that it's hard to get really starstruck. I mean, you're doing your job. You have to interview them. You have to cover them. You have to mm-hmm. you know, treat them fair. But this was like the only day, the only time in, you know, my six, seven years that I've been doing this, 
where I got legitimately starstruck and like could barely breathe talking to somebody in this business that's because awesome. it was Bill Embiid and the Detroit Pistons. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, for, for people that work in this business for a long time, which neither you nor I have, hopefully we will, but I love hearing those stories and I guess that will be yours and I don't know how many more you'll have, but you're, I mean, you're right. There, There is some sense of getting, you know, desensitized to talking to and, and meeting people that we are, you know, that most people just kind of see on TV and have access to through a screen. So it's a little bit different. And again, you get desensitized to it. It, it becomes a little bit more normal and you have to be objective and you can't be, you know, I, I couldn't have Will Muschamp on the show and then ask for his autograph or anything like that because, I don't know, that's unprofessional and, and things like that. But I, everybody has a handful of moments or one or two moments where it's like, I know I do this a lot and I know I get to meet a lot of, you know, athletes, media people, et cetera, but there was this one time. And I'm still kind of waiting on mine. I've had a couple, like, media versions that nobody cares about because they're super esoteric and not that interesting. But I'm hoping to have, like, an athlete kind of one. And, and it would probably some be somebody like a like a Bill Lambier. I love John Sally. He may be my favorite part of this Bad Boy Pistons oh, team other than yeah. Zeke. Cause he's, and he's been great in the last dance, too. He's fantastic. But, you know, maybe someone like that. Like, if I ever met Dr. J, I'd probably just void my bowels on the spot. Like, I mean, that just goes yeah. so far beyond anything that I, like, know how to handle. And that would, that would probably be one for me. Oh yeah, it's uh, and there there are very few for me that would be like that. Um, Bill and Beer is by far at the top of that list. Yeah, that's great. Well, anyway, I hope you all have been enjoying the last dance as well. Um, and as Colin and I continue to reconvene and update you on off-season South Carolina basketball stuff and get into more food diaries and things like that, we'll we'll make this sort of a recurring part since this is a basketball podcast and since uh, you and I have both, I, I think, enjoyed it so much, and especially as they talk oh, about the Pistons, it. and we'll have to have just like a whole twenty-minute like bitch fest about. Isaiah getting left off the dream team because, like I said, I think that's coming up in the in one of the next couple episodes. So that'll be this weekend. So we'll uh, uh, we'll have to emotionally prepare ourselves for that next week. But um, anyway, just wanted to touch on that and let you share that story for those of you that haven't heard it. That's pretty fantastic. Um, and now we're going to welcome in your travel buddy, your eating partner, Chris Gillespie. Chris, I uh, I don't know. I feel like we've met maybe in passing one time, like at a basketball game or something, but. Uh, nice to meet you or talk to you again. Uh, thanks so much for coming on and giving us some of your time and some of your food thoughts on the hard foul. Hey, not a problem at all. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Thank you. So you and Colin have been traveling and eating together for a long time, four or five years, even longer than Colin's been like working in the business, right, Colin? Like before you actually started working, you were, but while while you were still in school, this started, right? Yeah, no, we traveled. I mean, it was, I mean, it was with Scott Hood, who's a, man in and of himself um those are that's a story for another those are stories for other podcasts but we've been we've been doing this i mean i've been full-time now for three years so we've probably been doing it for at least these three years and then you know two three years before that too all right so we're gonna do this uh kind of we're gonna go by sport um because that's probably an easy way for y'all to think about it for y'all to you know compartmentalize it and obviously it's a lot of the same location so you know hopefully people will enjoy these stories uh you two guys both just love eating a lot so hopefully people will appreciate that and in uh, my limited experience doing media stuff during quarantine people love talking about and listening to people talk about food um and so you're going to have a, a lot of uh, a lot of good ones to share but i also kind of feel like this will end up doubling as sort of a travel guide because most of the places that y'all are going are you know sec road games and you know a couple like out of conference like neutral sitey kinds of places so for people that are going to be traveling to you know charlotte and to you know, Houston slash College Station and different places. I want this to serve as sort of a fun travel journal. Your experiences and maybe other people will frequent these joints and they can let us know. Have they been there? If they end up going. But before we get into 
I guess just last season, maybe we'll go kind of season by season sports and we'll start with this past year of a weird shortened uh, basketball season and no baseball season and a weird and disappointing football season. But take me in the way back first. Colin, what was the first time you and Chris ate together? Oh, Lord. Um, I'm trying to think of like the first like real road trip we took together. I got to pull up a schedule. I mean, there have no, been that was Hooters. definitely Knoxville football yeah, in Knoxville because uh, was it Hooters? It was, and I think uh, Colin felt sorry for me because I was just an old guy that was hungry and <laughs> and um, even though I, I give I give Colin a lot of um, I give him a lot of grief because if you if you just talk to Colin and you don't realize his age, he's like an old guy. He's got an old soul, but somehow or another, it got transported into a into a young person's body. <laughs> so I'm not sure how that happened, but. Uh, so yeah, that was the. Um, I'm trying to remember which game that was off the top of my head. I can't remember. I mean, obviously it was a get. It was a football against Tennessee in Knoxville. But uh, pretty much we always stay in the same hotels. Just the way that we we travel, we generally stay in the same places. So we pretty much get to, get to know the immediate area. Mm-hmm. And in that particular case, uh, that particular situation, there is literally a Hooters in the parking lot of that hotel. So I mean, it's just a quick little walk over there. Um, I will go on record as saying I'm not one of those people who's particularly crazy about Hooters. Um, right. Just I, I try to eat local if I can. I try mm-hmm. to eat places that aren't uh, aren't chains and stuff like that. Um, but just due to the fact that we had had – it was a little bit of a later game because I remember it was in the evening. It was dark. So when we walked over and when we got there, of course, the place was packed because there was other games going on. I so, can't remember, but I, I, I'm not even going to attempt to remember that because my brain doesn't work that well. <laughs> but definitely, long answer, the short answer, Hooters in Knoxville, and I want to say it's either five or six years ago. Okay, so y- y'all anticipated my next question. Neither of y'all are regulars at any Hooters establishment, no. and if you are, you did a good job of staying out of trouble with your <laughs> respective significant others. Was that the first time y'all had been to Hooters, or had you been before? Together. I mean, that was... Yeah, I was going to say, I, don't, I had never been to that one before, but uh, I don't know if Colin had been on a road trip to Knoxville before that point. Oh, no. My, I, what I had to do is I had to go in there and take my picture off the wall before we went in. No, we try to, like I mean, Gillespie said, we try to avoid the chains mm-hmm. um, unless it's like a specific, you know, local, like a Whataburger or something like that right. in you know, te- you know, Texas or near Alabama. Um, we try to eat as local as possible, unless it's like late and we're having to, you know, go get a, you know some food after a, a, a night game. But I'm trying to think. We didn't really take any other road trips. My first year on the beat, um, 2016 was the first year I really covered every game. Mm-hmm. Um, Kerr's Winghouse was one of our other first ones. Um, remember that one, Gillespie? Uh, I probably do, but I'll, I'm not one for details. So in Gainesville, you, I'm one of those guys that. where somebody asks me and I'm like, you know, that place, that place. Cause I very, very, I'm just have a random memory. Now, if you ask me a random eighties fact, I can probably tell you, but when it comes right. to the name of a restaurant, I just, I draw blanks, but, um, uh, I actually don't think I was with you guys on that trip. If I'm not mistaken, oh, yeah, I think that was were. the trip I came down with Paul Collins. Yes. Yes, I remember because it was me, CJ, and Scott. Oh, I forgot you weren't there for that. You didn't miss much. Hmm. Well, a lot of years uh, and a lot of food between you. But before we – I appreciate this is like the first local place. And if y'all can – I guess if he wasn't there, then we'll have to conjure another specific memory. But I don't want to leave this Hooters thing just quite yet. 
Um, okay. Not regulars there. And I, I can understand why y'all would want to move on. And I guess this is also when I will admit or just say or whatever. Um, I have been to a Hooters one time, and it's funny because it's probably like the most on-brand thing that anyone listening will have ever heard. It was uh, with my rugby team in college, but it was a situation where uh, we were we had a, a road game at ECU, and we got in late the night before, and it was like literally next door to the hotel. So that's just where we kind of walked over and ate. And uh, again, it's like it's a bunch of it's a bunch of college guys on a rugby team, so it sounds like exactly what you would expect to see in a Hooters. You know, probably not. You know what what you expected if you were actually there. But I have to say, well, first of all, that's the only time I've been. I, I've never gone back but the food was surprisingly good um so was that y'all's experience as well did you know the food was good did you try the wings which i thought was a joke that people were like hey the wings are actually really good but they were good and they were like full wings not just drumsticks and flats like a a full chicken wing and they were pretty good so i'm not going to ask you if you remember specifically what you ate six years ago but do you remember enjoying the food yeah i mean the food's not terrible i mean I'm not going to sit there and be like it's award winning, but <laughs> I, can, I can eat a I can eat a Hoos wing every now and again. Just like good standard American bar food, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm I'm definitely a creature of habit, so I could pretty much tell you what I got when I got there because I really don't stray for much. But generally in the evenings and stuff like that, I don't eat anything real heavy, so I probably just I'm a, I'm a probably 99.9 percent sure I just got like grilled cheese and fries because that's pretty much my standard go-to in a place like that when it's later in the evening. Okay, all right, that's that's a that's that's a great detail, and that's kind of what I wanted to follow up with. Y'all both have different eating habits. I know Colin is a barbecue fanatic. Uh, Chris, I understand you're not a barbecue fanatic. Is that correct? I'm. I it's either or with me. Um, I never really grew up eating that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was, um, my mom's from England, so my food choices weren't necessarily your stereotypical English foods, but um, I just ate basic stuff growing up. Um, Some people might consider that to be a childhood loss, but honestly, Mm -hmm. I was, my mom is very health conscious, so I was always taught more of the uh, eat to live, not live to eat. Mm. So, um, and as far as barbecue, I mean, I, I do like some of it, um, although it's not really sports-related. There's a couple of places in North Carolina, which I know is probably going to ruffle a few feathers mm-hmm. with the North Carolina versus South Carolina, because I am South Carolina born and bred. But there's a couple of places in North Carolina where I've had it, and I've actually been very impressed. So I do know what it's like to actually get, get good barbecue, but... Um, yeah. It's not one of my favorites, so I don't necessarily seek it out. But on the same hand, I don't necessarily dislike it. Okay, that well, that's sense. good. And this this is perfect that you have, or that we have here, like these two different eating experiences. And I think that's what will end up being so fascinating as we dig a little bit deeper into, into these food diaries and y'all's travel journeys, because it sounds like you approach food differently. Uh, Colin, I guess I haven't asked you this specifically, but I think you, like I am, are a eat uh live to eat person not an eat to live kind of person like it like chris just said that he was so that creates an interesting uh, dichotomy for sure and yet y'all find yourselves together so often and y'all eat together so often in so many different places has it led to more has it led to conflict between the two of you or do you each find yourselves uh, colin do you find yourself having your eyes open to Chris's way of thinking about food, and and then Chris follow up with you know your answer to the I guess reverse of that question. Yeah, I let Colin go first on that one. Yeah, there's really never been there's only been one conflict, and it's never been about food. It's about is the damn place open. Um, <laughs> that was the only that's the only conflict we've ever had on food. Um, I'm usually we're usually pretty amenable people. Um, 
pizza is kind of a common ground for us. So when in doubt, we always try to kind of find a pizza place, um, kind of a local spot. Uh, he's introduced me to, um, is it Vietnamese food? Oh, yeah, Vietnamese food, yeah. yeah. Vietnamese yeah. food, so Cajun food. He's introduced me to a lot of that. We both love Cajun food. Um, so when in doubt, if I'm not going to get barbecue, um, I'm usually pretty amenable in terms of letting letting the elder statesman in the room you know, <laughs> pick the spot. Has pizza is well, the common ground though? I yeah. will say that it's like it's like the the universal constant, the lingua franca of food is what pizzas pizzas become, which is beautiful. Uh, Chris, are, are do you try things that you wouldn't normally have tried with Colin, or or do you? It, has your eating with Colin allowed you to just enjoy eating maybe more than you did previously? I'll be honest with you, and once again, I'm going to allow Colin to rebut, but um, sometimes I feel like that I'm the one that's kind of uh, encouraging Colin to try different types of food. Ooh, good, good. Um, and I'm not going to take any credit for that because because uh, my girlfriend is actually the one who forced me to do it, and then I realized that I like certain things. So, you know, it's, it's one of those where I know how picky of a person I used to be, um, so I try to kind of encourage folks to try some other stuff based off my experiences and let me be the guinea pig. Cause generally if there's something that I don't like, then I, I it seems to me like uh, if I say that I don't like it, Colin's usually probably in agreement and he trusts me enough that if I suggest to eat certain things or not, then he's never really given me any kickback on it. So that that's kind of my response there. If that makes sense. Colin, is that you fair? Know? Yeah, I think the, I do not think I'm a picky person. Um, I think I like what I like. Now, if you ask probably Gillespie or my fiance, who will bully me into eating new food, um, it's a little different. But, yeah, I've tried – I mean, I give Gillespie and I give my fiance a lot of credit for helping me try new food. Um, and Gillespie's met her. Uh, he can he can confirm that she's not a bully when it comes to that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, I, I give them a lot of credit when helping me try new things. And, um, we, we have a lot of experiences trying new things and new, um, restaurants and recipes, um, on the road. All right. That's great. And yeah, what, uh, what I think is interesting, sorry to interrupt you. No, you're is, good. Um, Go ahead. um, you know, what, uh, Colin is actually almost half my age which is really kind of interesting in itself because, you know, generally I'm one of these guys that's like, ah, that's a, you know, these young kids, I don't want to be around them, kind of go outside and fuss at a cloud kind of mentality sometimes. But um, the one thing I will give Colin credit for is because I have to think to myself, when I was his age, uh, there's just food that I refuse to eat. Mm. And I probably would have loved it then. Like I used to hate sushi. Now it's one of my absolute favorites. So, one thing that I will give Colin credit for, as much grief as I give him, is um, he's never been just completely against anything that I've suggested. And, um, you know, at at his age, I, I would not have been like that. So, once again, he is far mature beyond his years. I'm an old soul. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Huge, huge credit to Colin. I love that. Uh, <laughs> all right. Do you all have consensus, Colin? And, and uh, I guess, see, this is hard because we're not in the same room together, so I can't, like, I have to ask one of this. I have to ask this question to you specifically. So, Colin, if you don't have a good answer, you can just defer to Chris or vice versa. But, Colin, do y'all generally have a consensus what your favorite place is that y'all ate in a given season? Like, if I say, Colin, what's your favorite place that you ate in football season? Are y'all going to have two different answers, or do you agree? I don't know. I mean, 
it depends. I think it depends on the football season. Um, we'll probably agree, or at least if if we don't agree, the other place will probably be in our top five kind of situation. It's where we kind of like the same stuff. Glesman, what was your favorite place we ate this past year? Oh, goodness gracious. Do not, um, do not say the place under the overpass. Do not say the place under the overpass. <laughs> I try to forget that if at all possible. Yeah. Um, man, because it just feels like that season was so long ago already. It's just it's weird to think that that was just a matter of months. Um, I'll be honest with you. I just just off the top of my head, it's it's hard to say because we we eat so much stuff. I mean, I mean, if you look at me, you can definitely tell that I don't miss a meal. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's one specific place this season because I didn't travel for basketball or baseball. So if I had to narrow it down to just football, goodness gracious. Colin, I'm going to let you talk because I'm going to actually have to yeah. look at I'm the schedule at, and see if anything yeah, looking pops at the, into my head because I was thinking about A&M this too. time was a little different. Um, yeah. Where did we eat in Missouri? We didn't really eat in this. Oh, Bucky's. We had Bucky's. Yeah, we did have that. Now, see, that's the situation where my barbecue sandwich was great. I, I really yeah. enjoyed it. I wished I would have gotten another one because, I mean, yeah. you know, it just, as my former students used to say, it just hit. Yeah, it's um, Let's see, because um, I honestly can't even think, because I know Missouri, ah, Missouri, we could say the Casey's Pizza that we got. <laughs> yeah. Which is an interesting like, story in itself, because uh, in the Midwest area, which I guess Missouri is considered Midwest in that territory, um, there's a chain of gas stations called Casey's, and I had a best friend growing up whose family lived in Kansas, so twice a year I would go with his family on a trip to Kansas, and we'd always get pizza from Casey's, and it was—it's just always been one of my favorite pizzas. They just—they make it a little different. It doesn't taste quite as good these days as it did when I was a child, but uh, that would definitely be in the top three if we were going to say that. Um, at Georgia, we really didn't have much to do there because we left early in the morning, just grabbed some stuff from a gas station, ate yeah. the food that Georgia provided us, and I think we hit uh, a Chick-fil-A on the way back. And that was yep. pretty much the extent of eating on that trip. So try to try to make a long story short, I guess it would just really be narrowed down to what we did at um, maybe Missouri and uh, A&M. So if that was the case, then I would definitely have to go with my sandwich from Bucky's. All right, yeah. sandwich from Bucky's for Chris. Uh, Colin, is um, that? My sandwich, yeah, my sandwich from Bucky's. Because we didn't, the weird part was that all these were like day trips. Um, Tennessee was a day trip. Right. Um. Yeah, all of these were like you know quick bites. I think we stopped at a McDonald's on the way to Knoxville. Um. Yeah, this is this was a really bad football season for food. Well, yeah, at least it wasn't much. At least yeah. you got a good bar. I mean, it was yeah, it was a bad football season for a lot of reasons. At least you got a good barbecue sandwich out of it. But uh, real quick, before I get you to go into a little more into a little more depth about the Bucky's barbecue sandwich. Where do you get your recommendations? Is it people on the message boards? Do you crowdsource them from locals, or is it just a you know quick Google search or Yelp search? Well, when so we, we ask locals, we end up at um, we end up at Mexican food places in Arkansas, which is really bad. So oh, no. <laughs> I would have to say that I stray away from asking um, locals. Uh, but me personally, I just try to look on um, look on the internet and just try to see what uh, what's not 
a um, what's not a chain place. Uh, check out the reviews and things like that. Uh, I'm not one of those guys that immediately jumps to the negative reviews, but you know, if you've got uh, 4.9 rating and you've got 3,500 reviews and you've got a 4.9 rating and you've got 12 reviews, then I'm going to go with the one that's got the most, just simply because you know, in my mind, they seem like they're more consistent. Yeah. Um, hey, I usually go. Google review, Yelp review, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then if we get to the place and it looks like it's going to suck, we, we go somewhere else. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how we do a lot of things. That's probably a good way to do it. If it looks like it's going to suck, it, well, I, I won't say it always sucks because there's some places that look like they're going to suck and then they end up being like the best hole-in-the-wall places ever. But I guess you all have been to enough good hole-in-the-walls you can probably tell the good ones from the bad ones. Uh, does Bucky's yeah. fall into the hole-in-the-wall category or is it more of an establishment? Bucky's is a whole different thing. If you would imagine, and I'm sure, and I've, I'm Colin maybe even actually the one that told me there may be a Bucky's coming out to this area, but Bucky's is basically follows the rule in Texas that everything is bigger. Mm. So if yeah. you imagine the biggest gas station that you've ever seen, then you imagine, say, uh, like almost uh, a sportsman warehouse combined with the gas station then that'll probably give you what a bookies is uh <laughs> yeah. it's a very modern establishment i mean it's a huge gas station there's probably enough stalls there for every person in south carolina to park their car in one and <laughs> eat behind it i mean it was just massive and you just kind of come upon it uh, upon it as you're going down the road going from houston towards um college station and then when you walk in there's just a huge um uh, huge just kind of uh almost like a cafeteria style area minus the seating and then the other half of the store which is massive is just uh merchandise so it's uh it's not really a so-called eating establishment but it's more of like of a one-stop shop type place hmm. okay I, I can dig that uh now colin i thought the place that you told me about that you wanted to go and that chris said was closed so that y'all couldn't go i thought that was also on the way from houston to college station or college station to houston whichever is that true? Is this the same place? Was that a story from another year? That was a story from the first year we went to A and M. Okay. Was um, it the same place though? No, different okay. place. Um, yeah, this one's point. actually at A and M. It's probably what a mile from the uh, stadium itself. Okay. Um, yeah, it's called Fuego Taco. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Fuego Tortilla Grill. Um, and it is I'm looking it up now because it is very close. I mean, we're talking about, like, directly across the street from Texas A&M's University. Mm -hmm. So on their main, like, strip in terms of, like, bars and restaurants and things like that. Um, uh, if you've never been to A&M, you have to clarify that across the street could be a mile because of how that, <laughs> this, that town is laid out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is, I, I made my so first trip flat. out there this past year, though, and it was, uh, it was really cool. They have that cool section on campus with, like, all the bars and stuff, and we hung out there a little bit before – uh, the Carolina game, and it was it was really cool. Didn't spend much time in College Station other than just kind of on campus before the game. Uh, but it sounds like maybe worth checking out, exploring a little bit more next time I go. Yes, yeah, um, and uh, we actually the last time we were there, we actually had a little bit of extra time that morning. And what Colin has failed to mention is that I did make it up to him on this trip. We did go to the taco place. It wasn't the same one, but but he did choose a taco place, and we did go there. So. As any relationship, key details have been left out. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, the first time we went, I told you, hey, that taco place looks open because we were both starving. Uh, that taco place is open. 
and you look at it, the line is out the door, the lights are on, and the parking lot is full, and you go, looks closed, and kept driving. I think there might be a little embellishment there, but we'll move on. <laughs> no, the line was out the door, Gillespie. I will, I will live and, and die with that. I'll, uh, I'll I'll let y'all that y'all uh, settle that one over the course of the coming weeks as as we duke this out. But that was when Co- Colin told me that story, mm, and probably not totally unrelated because I was probably just talking about the uh, I don't know maybe where I went to eat it at A and M, which was you know closer to Houston, a, a barbecue place called Blood Brothers that has a little bit of like an Asian influence uh, to their barbecue and it's spectacular. But I think we were swapping stories, and he mentioned that story, and then that was actually kind of the genesis of this. I was like, wow, I'm sure there are a bunch more great and hilarious and interesting stories about the two of y'all eating together. We need to do this on a podcast, and here we are. So uh, we've come full circle on that. Uh, but to circle back to Bucky's, uh, Chris, I'll let you start as someone that, you know, by your own admission, barbecue's not your favorite, didn't grow up eating it a lot, but really liked the bu- Bucky's barbecue sandwich. So what was it that set this one apart? You could just tell that they knew what they were doing. Um, and it's the one thing that I, I really, really like about food and that's, gotten me in trouble is is i'm i am all about flavor um which is you know some folks tell me well you know with your mom being from england their food's not really known for flavor well my mom's not stereotypical english so one of the things that i've always enjoyed was just you know things that just have a lot of taste to it and the more simple it is for me the better um so I'm not one of these people that would have a sandwich with like 50 different things piled on it or anything like that. To me, if you can just throw meat on a bun and it's got flavor to survive on its own, then that's uh, that's really what I like. So in this particular case, you know, it was just it was really tender, had a lot of flavor to it um, for something that they just basically made, threw on a bun, and then put in one of those little silver bags. I mean, they knocked it out of the park. That was uh, mm. That was definitely very, very... Uh, Elite. Uh, it was a pleasant surprise on my part because I really didn't expect it to be as good as it was. Uh, it, like I said, I wish I would have gone back and gotten another one, but for it, another day maybe. Is the meat pre-sauced? Did you sauce it yourself or did you just eat it dry? I'm pretty sure we just ate them dry. It was like I, it was a little bit of sauce on it. I think was you it could go I don't remember. There's some without. Yeah, but they were good. They were. It I'm was pretty sure it was brisket, brisket, wasn't it? Yeah, it was tender brisket, mm. and I did not expect tender brisket from a gas station and. On off the side of the road, in Texas. <laughs> yeah, sounds like you took a little bit of a chance on that. Uh, Colin, does it compare to any barbecue places that you've had around here, or can you make a comp that maybe people will be more familiar with, or is it pretty unique to Texas? It's pretty unique to Texas. I, mean, I don't know what Gillespie has to say on it, but it's it, for me, it was at least unlike anything I've ever eaten, not in a good or a bad way, just definitely unique. Um, but, I mean, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Cool. Yeah, and I don't have a whole lot of comparison because um, I, I will show my ignorance when it comes to the different styles of barbecue. But uh, whenever I eat things, I just kind of eat them as they survive on their own. I don't really do a lot of comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, if if I were to have a top three of barbecues, it would have easily been in my top three. Wow. All right. There you go. All right. So if you are going to College Station, I guess you have to wait two years to do that for football. I don't know if the basketball team's going there this year. I have no idea. But point is, if you're in College Station, it sounds like Bucky's is the way to go. And uh, speaking of basketball, we'll switch over to basketball season now. Not quite a full basketball season. Y'all did go to Nashville, and uh, Colin, you told me I tried to go to Bolton's. It was closed due to some of the tornadoes that had recently hit, I think, that part of Nashville. So uh, I guess with the exception of a full Nashville weekend, which y'all did not get, and any potential tournament run where South Carolina may have been on the road again, 
you got a lot of destination opportunities uh, during basketball season. We'll start with you this time, Colin. What was the best thing you ate during basketball season? I'm trying to think. I had some really good pizza in Massachusetts. That was um, impressive. I had some good barbecue in Mississippi State. Um, that, yeah, okay, barbecue in Mississippi State. That was my favorite. I don't think Gillespie, did you travel with me at all during basketball? I did not, but I will go on record as saying that of all the food that I've eaten during my basketball travels, regardless of the year, I'm going to have to give my number one spot to Mr. Sam at TK Oriental because um, I'm sure, well, I know Colin knows, but um, media, we get vouchers during basketball season, which essentially is uh, good enough for us to go to to grab like a quick bite at a couple of the locations at Colonial Life. And, you know, and it's a very, very slim options. I'm not going to complain because it's free. Um, but it's not necessarily the best. Um, I guess I am complaining. But in that particular regard, um, I would much rather go to Sam at TK Oriental because for 10 bucks, which is usually what I spend, you don't have to spend that much. But um, but his food is always phenomenal. Um, and, of course, you get to see Sam. And he's such a great guy, and he's fun. He's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy to see you and that sort of thing. And, and every now and then he'll throw in a little extra. Not that he's, not that we expect it, but every now and then he does that because he's just a good guy. But um, as far as basketball season for me, whether it's to the past or present, I've always really enjoyed his food. And it's uh, and it's right there in the uh, Coliseum. So well, not the Coliseum, I shouldn't say, but the uh, the arena. That's fantastic. Love a good local shout out. You know, especially shout out. CLA and especially shout out. I mean that, that yeah that place is just a, a staple. I feel like a lot of stories have been written about him and that place. And um, love that Columbia loves it so much because it is great. Now I whenever I go I, whenever I go to basketball games I usually like this past season at least just went with my roommate so I went as a fan and uh, you know tried not to eat too much because I try to eat before because otherwise I'm going to eat everything I'm going to eat at all the vendors I'm going to get dipping dots and I'm going to do those things. So I haven't experienced it in a while. I'll have to. Uh, I guess change that next time a uh, basketball season rolls around and I get a chance to go to the CLA. Uh, but to get back to uh, to your pick, Colin, you said Mississippi State. Did you mention this on the podcast already? Yeah, a little Dewey. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I remember talking about it. I couldn't remember if that was while we were recording or if you were just telling me about it just as we were like walking up to record one day. But uh, since we're doing it in a in a formal setting now, these Food Diaries, episode one, uh, give me the rundown on Dewey's again. How'd you hear about it? What was your experience? What kind of barbecue? Give me everything. It was just one of those where it was like you Google it, and this is obviously the biggest, um, you know, when you look up barbecue Starkville, this is like the number one option. Um, so you go, and, I mean, it's it's elite. It's really, really, really good. And um, pulled pork mostly, but you can get brisket, sausage, all kinds of different stuff. And um, mac and cheese was great. Um, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Lil Dewey's or Little Dewey's? L I L. Okay, Dewey's. so Lil Dewey's in Starkville. Yes, we do not, you know, practice any kind of grammar in, in the South, and you know this. No, no, that's great. That's great. Now, I, I feel like I remember talking about Starkville, and somebody told me there's nothing to do there, and you said you actually liked it, and it's worth stopping for just like a day or you know a weekend or something like that. And uh, I mean, if, if there's Lil Dewey's, and somebody maybe told me about a pizza place or an Italian place. It's worth doing there, so at least a couple of good places to eat if you're in Starkville. Now, I have no idea when the next team, time the football team will go back there uh, because of how football scheduling works in the SEC. It probably won't be until 2075, uh, but you'll probably at least have a chance to go back there for uh, basketball or maybe for baseball. Um, and I'm, I'm uh, upset that we didn't get to talk about baseball because there would have been, I'm sure, a lot more 
good places, a lot of good options, especially if the baseball team had made it all the way to Omaha, which I have no idea. We don't need to do a whole baseball podcast right now. Uh, I'm guessing both of you have been out there at some point and eaten some of the steak establishments, so we'll have to save that for um, another time. But I guess what we'll plan on doing is maybe keep going back so y'all be thinking of 2018, football, basketball, and baseball, some of the best places you eat. Is that is that an okay way to do this, just kind of keep going back year by year and, and highlighting some of the best places y'all have been on your road trips? We can do that. That works for me. Cool. All right, great. Well, this has been a fun first episode. I uh, hope you all enjoyed it. And uh, leave your feedback if you've been to any of these places, if there are any places that Colin or Chris missed or that you think should be mentioned, uh, let us know in any of the places that we've talked about. And, uh, again, thank you all so much for listening to this podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, uh, subscribe to it, share it with your friends. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Again, plenty of off-season news and especially uh, having fun with the food diaries. So, Chris, thank you so much. Congratulations on your hard foul debut. I think it went spectacularly. And, I, again, I love the dichotomy in your food philosophy and Colin. So I, I think this is going to be fun, and we're going to have a lot of good discussions here throughout the, uh, the remainder of our or however long we end up doing these food diaries. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, thanks for allowing me to uh, defend myself against Colin's accusations. Yeah, no, it it's great because yeah, it's it it's close. been totally one sided, and it's uh, no, it's it's really been a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, both of you guys so much, and again, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, for Chris, for Colin, I'm Pearson. We'll talk to you next week.